everybody, and welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're talking about Midnight at Parrot Palace, episode two, where we learn a lot more and there's a lot more funny gags, and I really enjoyed it. So glad to be watching this show and not a depressing ass show like Another Self. <laughs> that is me editor- editorializing. That is not <laughs> Sophia Desky's opinion, I'm sure, but... Sophia, do you like Esra anymore now? Maybe, except <laughs> oh, like, has never been around a child in her life. I think that's hilarious. It's very relatable. I'm like, oh, it's touched. Very relatable. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do I touch it back? <laughs> it, I mean, I agree that it's relatable, but it's also like odd that she would choose. Like, the, she's not a good storyteller, is what I would say. Yeah, that story was a terrible terrible story. (laughs) (laughs) That child is messed up for life for that one. Literally. (laughs) And she's a very cute child, too. Yeah, she's cute. Very helpful. Um, Okay, I know for a fact that Sophia is drinking tea. Indeed, I am. Wow. In a a cup with a photo on it. What's What's it, your mug? It's a team photo. Oh, that's cute. It's actually not well. It's why don't we have a why don't we have a podcast group photo mug of all of us on Zoom? <laughs> Print it out of mug. <laughs> I think mugs with pictures is a great uh, Turkish TV time swag idea. I think <laughs> yeah, especially of like as we are right now on this Zoom. I think that would be a great photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I definitely a, wouldn't want to shower. Space <laughs> oh my god um i don't have any tea i will say that again because i was kind of talking over sophia earlier (laughs) that is very disappointing but yes i also don't have any tea but i would like some right now it's kind of cold Okay, so now I'm going to take us through what happened in this episode. I um, kind of forgot everybody's names because it had been like two weeks since we watched the first one. (laughs) We'll see how I did, but uh, feel free to interrupt. You can just say like old dude who traveled. (laughs) I I wrote down Esma instead of Esra for like the first half Uh. of the episode. (laughs) It's like she barely uses that identity now any anyway. So. Yeah, it's true. It's basically fairy day. Evil yeah. stepsister one. <laughs> oh, my. oh, I don't know their names either. Yeah. Cinderella's ugly stepsisters. stepsisters. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so first we see that as we predicted last time, Esra has dressed up as fairy day and is going to basically just act like nothing ever happened in order to try and fix the timeline. And um, Ahmet is like, oh my God, this is a disaster. <laughs> you can't act. We're all going to die. So <laughs> then <laughs> Esra has to use her fabulous journalism skills from Stamblog to find Perde's home. Um, we learned that Perde's uncle owns the hotel. So she's from a very wealthy family, clearly. And she sees Halit Bey in the lobby chatting with a British officer, which is pretty much all he does all day long. So that's fun for him and runs into the street to try and get away from him. And she runs into Reshat Bey, who yeah. I didn't really know from the first episode. Were we supposed to know who he was? I don't think he was in the first episode um, okay. or if he was, it was no, no, he, I think he was in the ballroom potentially at the, in the, like where they're having whatever meal Altatuk was having. Like, I think he might've been in there, like in a very passing moment. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's an important character moving forward. So now we know him. Now we've seen okay. him enough. Okay. <laughs> What relation does he have to Petty Dick? Because like they live in the same. Uh, he has a crush on her. <laughs> they're but they're not related. They're not related. Really? Like, but he, yeah, he, he. So he was. Is, I think I don't think it's been revealed yet. But he was in the military with Hadith um, mm. during the during the war during the First World War, and then Hadith is obviously, or maybe it was an earlier war. But anyway, they had some. They had some prior camaraderie. They were chums before, and and they are definitely 
not anymore so oh okay <laughs> yeah there's some tension there I don't think it's like full-on like they're not full-on enemies but they're like Bichette is definitely like not approving of it's like lifestyle and all that stuff he's definitely more like old school conservative um not like not like a religious tyrant or anything but he's just more like you know this stuff isn't respectable that kind of worldview because mm-hmm. he also um is it in her in Perida's house when they have dinner so that's why I was like I yeah thought- he's like a family friend I think is like the right way to put it but yeah he's like not in the family because he would like to tap that with oh god (laughs) (laughs) okay um i was really confused about who the hell he was so that is helpful um yes so she runs into reshat bay who takes her home and turns out home is an absolute mansion and she's got two evil sisters or one evil sister and one neutral sister and um, so i think one so uh, this is where I'm kind of confused because I think he, her father has two wives, one of which is the other woman and the other woman is her sister, the one who stole the diary. Yeah, he did. He said something. Um, I don't know how they translated it in English, but when he was making like a like, announcement to his family that people were coming over for dinner, he said, my wives, my daughters. <laughs> so he said, oh like, my goodness. Yeah. I did so not he, catch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he used like an honestly, like a Turkish speaker would also potentially miss that because he used again like an old timey word. So <laughs> I, I definitely didn't catch it like the first time I watched this series. Like, I assumed they were all sisters except for like the mom figure. Um, but in the second viewing, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> he hasn't okay, that wow. Sophia yeah. was watching yes. way better attention than us on her first viewing. Yes, definitely. I just thought it was weird and then I realized that the other woman was way older than the younger woman. Like there was a big age gap. Right. That's when like it clicked in my brain. Okay, so two wives, one sister. And she's the daughter of Naim Bey, who was like, I guess the former head of treasury or something in the Ottoman Empire. So he's super duper rich. Is basically what I got from that. And a, and a like political conservative. It seems like he's right. a emperor or not emperor, sultan. Right. And he gives her a big lecture about how she's gallivanting around, didn't come home last night. Uh, you, right. She's not a foreign woman. She can't act like it. And she's a widow and her mom is going to have to escort her everywhere now because she's been a bad girl. Um, and she has a daughter. <laughs> oh yes, and we learned that she has a daughter, and <laughs> no one has ever looked more shocked and dismayed than Esta when that little girl's <laughs> hugging her. <laughs> I felt bad for the little girl. Me too. This lady from the future got her mother murdered in like half an hour. Um, I have theories, but we can talk about that later. Okay. Then we flash to Ahmed, who's still at Para Palace and is trying to do some investigating on who Perde is. We then go back to the mansion where Naim Bey has invited the British for dinner. And we also had a conversation where um, Halit Bey was like, maybe it's good that we didn't succeed in killing Perde because you know who her father is. And so the implication is that her father is in bed with the British and um, they're allied. And so they wouldn't want to murder his daughter by accident, even though they did. Because um, yeah, he, well, what I understood is that he thought he had already killed her. Right. Because he had. Right. And he sees her walking around and he's like, what the hell just happened? Like, and the British soldier doesn't believe him that he already killed her. Right, right. But- right alive in theory um sorry you can't alive in theory um, <laughs> and so yeah basically halit no yeah halit thought that he already killed her but and he had but he had it which is the whole conceit of the show i feel like right <laughs> um and i have a lot of halit thoughts that i will ask you guys in 
the gossip section. Uh, we learned that Halit is a fence, basically. He's a war profiteer, and he doesn't want to be judged by Peridae because she lives in the lap of luxury. Of course, he doesn't know that she's actually Esra and probably can judge him fine. <laughs> um, the We overhear a conversation, and we learn that the Brits are going to be stashing weapons at uh, the mansion, I guess, or using Naim Bey's connections it's like a it's not really at the mansion but it's like um a warehouse that he had he owns okay controls yeah okay yeah either way it's bad yeah um and then we go to Ezra as Paraday in her room with these child what's it does the child have a name Mm, oh it does i, I can't remember so. her name okay well name of child uh, yeah. <laughs> who wakes up from a nightmare and is like mommy tell me a bedtime story and, she's like, Sleep. <laughs> and then she tells her a bedtime story and it's absolutely the worst story anyone's ever heard about how she the plot was- of the team it's the plot of the show is yeah the story. it's literally <laughs> the plot of the show um the only new thing that we learned is that um she was an orphan and when she left the orphanage they handed her that file we saw in the first episode which was about her the circumstances that brought her to the orphanage but she has been too scared to actually look into it of course when she looks into it we all think she's going to find something some connection to the para palace hotel or to peride and her family and clearly esra also thinks that she's gonna find that she's related to peride yeah, she she thinks that the girl is her grandmother. The, her daughter is right. her actual grandmother. Right, which is super weird. Um, then we go back to the hotel and we learn about Ahmed. And he's talking to the waitress who he made sure ran into Halit Bey in the first episode. And what we can pretty much clearly gather from this exchange is that this lady is his mom. At least that's what I got from it. Because he was like, my mother was Russian. And he was like, you're clearly Russian. And he was trying to make a love connection between her and Halit Bey. And so that's my theory going forward. I have I have a bunch. I have a theory, but it's not about that. Okay. It's about Isra okay. as an entity. Okay. Then we see Isra doing journalism kind of drawing out her family tree. Stam blogging. Stam blogging, making a listicle. And she's still working on items 1 to 130. And oh my um, God, yeah. the little girl sees her and says, oh, are you writing in your diary? So we learned that Peridae had a diary, which would be super helpful to impersonating her. Um, and Esther finds out that her evil sister stole her diary but she gets it back. Unfortunately, it's written in Arabic script. And um, she, but there is a newspaper clipping of her slash Peridae's body being found in 1916. So clearly Ahmed stashed the body in the time change room and she was just found in her modern clothes in the hotel, which is really sad for and her. And those clothes did not like, set off any kind of a revolution no, in fashion no <laughs> um esra escapes from the mansion in the middle of the night she draw is a terrible driver drives to the hotel and she's nice to the waitress which sends off alarm bells because apparently paraday was super mean to all of the staff and we learn that ahmed can read ottoman turkish and so he's going to translate the diary for us while Esra goes to the garden bar to meet Halit Bey. And the garden bar is a super dope bar with fire dancers, <laughs> dance, random dancers. There's an American jazz band. Uh, it's great. And he has her completely figured out. He's like, you're not the same person. I definitely killed Peridae. What is going on? And she kind of throws him off the scent. I, she did a good job, but I don't think he was completely convinced. And we learn at the end that the diary of Peride was investigating time travel phenomena. 
Um, but unfortunately, before we can learn more, Ahmet is knocked out and the diary is stolen by a mysterious stranger. Loved hand. Loved hand. into the gossip slash uh, banter slash spilling Sophia's tea section. So I have a theory. I don't know if I should share it now or if I should share it. At yeah, the do end. it. Share it. Yeah. Kick us off. Cause like the whole, like the bedtime story she tells the girl made me think like if she's an orphan and she has no family. And then when he starts decoding the diary, he's talking like the diary talks about time travel and stuff. Mm-hmm like what's that's what we know up until he gets knocked out like oh this person told me about the tunnel and how like the time travel works it just makes me think that like either there was like some glitch and like well for, there's two things there could be like a butterfly effect that that since petty did died like then Esra can't exist or like something in her line makes it so there's like a gap in mm. time or my other thesis is that like, it's the same person, but something happened that erased her memory. Um, or just, like, I, yeah, I think the, I don't really, I, I also can't remember how this resolves itself. Um, so I'm not giving any spoilers, I think, by, by saying this, but like the order on the, real timeline versus like within Hidetes slash Estas like life cycle as an individual is probably different mm. so I I'm I again as someone who has watched this and doesn't remember how this this resolves itself it's I would at this point think that she is she and Perda are one and the same and it's like yeah again the like stage of life is different so like Perda knows who Estra is but not the other way around because yeah. Estra is like a younger version of Pedede. Oh, like a before in time version. Yeah. Bef- yeah. In and terms of like the chronology of her life experiences, yeah. not the chronology of like the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Pedede yeah. had to exist to grow up in that family. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's, that is kind of where that falls apart. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't I logically, it, but I felt like that's the direction that the show is trying to point us in. Also, like, as we know from all of our other time travel analyses, like, it all always falls apart at some yeah. point. So yeah. it's inherently For paradoxical. Sure. Yeah. You cannot think too hard about it. Yeah. No. But it's also like she's a journalist and she doesn't open the file. Yeah. <laughs> She's a stamp blogger. Stamp blog. <laughs> if it doesn't make it on stamp blog, it doesn't cut it for extra. She doesn't care. <laughs> also, um, how come she already has like the newspaper cut out of them finding the corpse? That was in uh, the be- diary. Because it happened in 1916. Oh, so it happened the previous year? So he put, he put the corpse in the room and he was like, I don't know where it's going to take it. And it ended up three years prior. Oh, okay. Okay, that was confusing. Yeah. That was pretty weird. Also, I feel like he sent her off on an impossible task, which is like, find <laughs> out who you are and act as who you are without you knowing anything about you. I think he'd be a little more you. cautious about that. Yeah. <laughs> And like, yeah, she she like is wearing these clothes that have nothing. Like she just looks like she's out of place, and everyone's noticing that she's different from Hali to her sister. To like, must not be long before the kid figures it out too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she basically told the kid what was going on. I don't also, think like put two so two. it's very useful. The kid is actually or could be very useful because like yeah. she can get her to do things out of like blind loyalty to her mother right. um 
Like, I was thinking, is she old enough to read? Because she could have just done that maybe mm. before her, too. But um, wow. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how development works. So <laughs> she might be too young. Idea. Well, also yeah. the evil stepsister is reading all of this stuff. And it seems like she's pro- she probably thinks her sister is insane or like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So I want to talk about Halit Bey. Uh-huh. So... I've completely revised my opinion from the first episode. Now, I think that he's a double agent and he is working for the good guys, but pretending to work with the British. Mm -hmm. Why would he have killed Perida though then? I don't know. You you don't know anything. You don't know who's killed Perida. So just stop. Don't assume anything. (laughs) True. But he's, well, he claimed it to his officer. He claimed it, yeah, because it was it was yeah. a useful outcome for him. It was um, his task, I think. But then it just makes me... Because I thought that the gloved hand was him, but I guess it's not then. Yeah, who could uh, the gloved hand be? There was a name mentioned in what was being read aloud from the diary, Dimitri um okay that you know a very last second clue about who the glove tape could be okay <laughs> but that's this according to that passage in the diary dimitri knows about the time travel the time travel like the keys and then like a i think i forget how how they phrased it but like basically a room or like a chamber of like yeah, tunnel. Whatever. There are a tunnel. Yeah, of like, like ultimate, ultimate time travel. <laughs> I don't know. They, I saw what it was called, but oh god, it's a, yeah. That sounds confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just honestly like I know I'm a pessimist in this sense, but <laughs> given like the different explanations for time travel they've given, I like have very, very low expectations that the time travel in this show is gonna make any sense. Not because of the show itself, just because of the previous experience we have had with time travel. Yeah. Agreed. I don't I don't remember extreme absurdity to the degree of like the protector how much it pissed us off but I mean yeah, time again time travel is inherently a paradox so it's going to there's going to be I'm sure we'll find nonsense at some point. <laughs> yeah. We will see. So what exactly does Halit Bey do? Like he does like contraband and like shady stuff. Yeah. That's how it sounded to me. Like, oh, you need this kind of weapon. Oh, you need this kind of booze. I'll get it for you. It's not like there's really laws anymore in this this time period because like the Ottoman Empire is very much just like on the verge of death. And, you know, European powers have split up Istanbul and split up uh Anatolia etc you know what what shell of the Ottoman Empire remained has also been carved up at this point so it, yeah it's it's contraband in one sense but also like it's not like anyone's enforcing anything yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's just a mess makes sense what do you guys think about my Ahmed's parents theory I think that, that could make sense. Um, that Sonia's mom, was that your theory? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think they're building him up to be really mysterious. Um, I don't really get what his role is because he's, like, also kind of managing the hotel. Like, he tells the waiter, like, do your necktie right. Like, you look sloppy. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, but I guess he's also going to bring some sort of other element into the story. Well, I mean, his purpose is that he like knows how the time travel works, right. and Estrada doesn't. Um, and like, yeah, he's got the historical connection through Sonia. Um, so he's like, I guess he's technically like over a hundred years old, but because he's time traveling, he's not. <laughs> Yay! Uh, um, but also he doesn't, he definitely doesn't know everything about the time travel because that stuff he was reading in the diary was news to him yeah, about Dimitri right. and super time travel tunnel <laughs> and keys. So and- I, think, I think he probably thought he had the one key. 
and he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I think he thought he knew everything and he's now coming to realize that he doesn't know anything. Yeah. And did we get an update on the Dumbledore hand situation? We didn't see it this episode. No. Okay. Maybe it was like a um like a back to the future thing where once he reintroduced his parents to each other, it was fine. Resolved itself. But then his dad went and danced with Esra at the He's pretty garden. into Esra, I think. Yeah. yeah. What do you so do you guys think that the lover that she has in her diaries is Mustafa Kemal? No, there's never No, because her sister said, Oh, you're into Reshat Bay. Didn't she? I, th- I, I didn't think tired. did her sister say who I didn't I missed that if she said, she said who dad is gonna be really pissed off when he finds out about the lover you've been writing about oh oh okay yeah yeah okay uh but no there's definitely no romantic entanglement of any kind with Atatürk because <laughs> so. no, remember that in the first episode they mentioned that she yeah like saved him but I don't know why I assumed that there was like but it was it was more like he or she like fell in love with him Um, versus like the other way around so and I think it was more like quote-unquote love at first sight like from a distance not like they had a a relationship and Mm -hmm. I can just say right now in this show there's no like Atatürk is like he's like a major plot plot point but he's not like gonna constantly appear on screen and be like a major character that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta tread, you gotta tread carefully with these. Yeah, things, that so. would be pretty sacrilegious, it feels like yeah. to have him just yeah. having with that lady. Yeah, especially with like a goofball like her. Like, right. Oh my god. <laughs> true, true. Um she's definitely she's, a she's a, she's a stand blogger. She's not she's not she's a stand blogger. <laughs> yeah, I I will agree with that. Um yeah, I I felt like the implication was that they were like actually lovers, but maybe that was just my inference rather than what the show said. That was also my inference, so maybe it was something with how they translated it cuz I that's how I read it too. Yeah. And I don't know, I have my notes, but I think I already said everything. Okay. Um Oh, cuz then then they like the British guy and Halipe come into her house. So were they thinking about killing her in her own house? Like, how are they going to kill the daughter of, like, their ally? That also doesn't make no, sense. No, I think once once the British guys found out who her father was, the idea of killing her was like, oh, no, we're definitely not doing that. Okay. Yeah, she's not going to be any trouble for us because, you know, she's the daughter of this guy we've purchased <laughs> to help us do whatever we want. <laughs> And he's um, definitely very pro-government or whatever you can... Well, pro-establishment, I guess. Naeem is like... Well, politically, he's like pro, like, whoever pays me more. Um, okay. he, he's definitely not interested in... He, he definitely wouldn't stand with Mustafa Kemad because, mm-hmm. like, Mustafa Kemad is, like, trying to kick out foreigners and, like, establish a functioning state, whereas people like Naeem operate very much very well, kind of in this marginal <laughs> marginal interregnum type of a situation. Um, so he's I think his first choice would be return to his position of power and privilege, which I assume he had under the Ottoman late Ottoman Empire. I think that would be his first choice, but then his second choice would be, like, you know whoever pays them the most out of the foreign governments like serve them um Atatürk would definitely like the Republic of Turkey would be his last choice because there's finally going to be law and order in that scenario (laughs) he doesn't want that yeah and what was that whole discussion like she tried to like call Halit Bey out for being like a contrabander and Mm -hmm. he got like he retaliated at her saying that she's just like a privileged little girl basically yeah. yeah, he was basically just saying that people were starving during the First World War, which is true. Um, and people like were in, ter- in a terrible state and her family was still dining in their mansion. Um, right. Yeah. It was raining like crazy here, just like 
really? of nowhere yeah it was like it was like sunny and i was like literally out for a walk in a t-shirt earlier and now it's like pouring rain So now we're going to move on into the history section where the historist Sophia is going to be through what is going on with these Russians in (laughs) Turkey in 1919. Also in 2022 and 2023. Yeah, that's a whole different problem to talk about. But just for the record, there's a lot right now too. (laughs) I think that's, that's still interesting to add that like, um it's still a, it's still are, a, yeah common place to go are moving to Turkey <laughs> yeah. in order to I don't know what's the right way to put it but like get away from conscription slash the war in Ukraine slash yeah they don't want to go to the front obviously like I mean I don't I guess yeah. obviously because like you don't want to I mean going to war sounds bad also yeah. like especially this kind of war where it's yeah. like if you know any 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 war. any level of yeah actual detail that is a propaganda, you're like, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. True. Um. So just to to put some context into um Russia and Turkey. Well, the when Turkey was the Ottoman Empire, there were they had a, like several confrontations with Russia um, over very strategic territories such as the Caucasus. Crimea, I'm blanking on the other regions, but there's a a lot of important regions that they've had um, interactions over. Um, And England was also involved in those confrontations um, in different, what would you call it, respects or roles during this point, um, taking into account that a lot of parts of the, or former parts of the Ottoman Empire ended up being like British protectorates afterwards. So you can imagine um, what the interests were there. But something that we we found really interesting is this whole interaction. And now I'm blanking on the two people. The I mean, old dude, time travel. Dumbledore Ahmed and, Ahmed. and Sonia. Ahmed and Sonia. Um, they have this interaction and he's talking about how his mother was Russian. And he basically like predicts that Sonia was some sort of princess um in Russia and now she's like come to have to be you know a um a servant at this hotel and you know what a fall from grace etc um and this was all because of the the Russian revolution which was you know in the frame in in the time frame of the first world war so pretty close to to the dates of of our show um and it turns out that when we did some digging we don't have wikipedia this time we have a book that was written. oh my god a real book a real book we, it's like we, only the second time this has happened in our history <laughs> unfortunately we didn't get the chance to read this book because it's only in turkish and i don't speak turkish that well so we found out that the book exists today so i didn't read it <laughs> um but the book is called don't forget me my russia a century of exile and it's following um, a number of white Russians that moved to Turkey um, after the Russian Revolution. When the Russian Revolution happened, the group of people that opposed the Tsar divided into like the white Russians and um, the Bolshevik. I, I feel like there's a name that is all the white Russians and the other Russians, the, maybe the red Russians. I don't know. Yeah, um, Bolsh- yeah. but you just Bolsheviks, Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. Yeah. Or, yeah basically the Mensheviks who like lost the battle for power but also opposed the Tsar um fled in droves to Istanbul as did of course um you know family members of the Tsar anyone who could get saved but who was going to get um persecuted by the new regime so it turns out that in Istanbul Istanbul had a population of close to 1 million people at the at the time of, of like in the early 1920s and the amount of Russians that arrived were close to 200,000 so it's it was one fifth of the existing population wow. that's a lot of people so it was a pretty big mm-hmm. amount of people um and I mean a, lo- a lot of people escaped not only um the white Russians but also 
Georgians, Azerbaijanis, Ukrainians, um, and they they went to what was at that point Allied occupied Istanbul. Um, this was before the 19th of May, so it was just Istanbul had been kind of divided up between several countries that wanted to control it, given that it's a really strategic and I mean, it's a cold water port, a warm water port. It's, you know, very well located, et cetera. Um, so a lot of countries were very interested in controlling it. And they did for a while until Mustafa Kemal, um, you know, was able to to rally an army and, and defeat all of these powers that were fighting for the for the land. Um, but apparently they arrived not only in Istanbul, uh, but they also went to Çanakkale and Sivas and other towns um, or other cities around Turkey. And initially, most of them were in Turkey, like en route to Paris or the United States or uh, London. And what ended up happening is that some of them, well, most of them fled with whatever they could take with them. And either that ran out quickly, they got robbed or... Um, or they had the resources and they were able to continue on to whatever their final destination was. But a few of them who like didn't have the resources ended up staying in Istanbul. Um, it turns out that several like notable um, Russian exiles passed through Istanbul. For example, Vladimir Nabokov, the novelist, a niece of Leo Tolstoy and mm -hmm. Even the Smirnoff family from Smirnoff <laughs> Vodka um, ran a vodka distillery in Istanbul after fleeing from Russia. So interesting. <laughs> very notable um, Russians came to Istanbul and they also started opening um, things that weren't available in Istanbul before. So they opened the first like mixed sex beaches. In Istanbul, they opened the first detective office, apparently, um, like photography and painting studios. Um, and as I mentioned, well, most of the people that came to Istanbul had to sell whatever they brought with them in order to survive. And apparently they also got like support, like economic support from soldiers that were occupying the city. And they lived in like pretty precarious encampments in different parts of the of the city. Um, and it, I mean, similar to like the story of the czar and his family, they were fleeing with like their jewels sewn into like their corsets, their clothing, mm -hmm. you know, anything they could carry. Um, and also, uh, fun fact, I guess, Leon Trotsky also <laughs> lived in Turkey for a while before fleeing to Mexico. Wow. Um, he lived, he lived in Buyukada. Oh, I think they show that. What did I watch about Trotsky recently that they showed him in Turkey? I can't. Or oh, it's in in um, the city of the dogs um, by it's a, it's a novel by a Cuban writer. Mm -hmm. I'm blanking on, but he he writes about the years on Buyukada. I think also. And apparently the book on which this show is based on also talks about Russian refugees in, in Istanbul. Um, and so apparently the author says that Russians felt really at home in Istanbul. And that was said by a former senator. Um, and this book that, we're, that we read the review for that's talking about the Russian exiles in, in Istanbul um, tells the story of the people that are still there, which are very few. I think they talk about five or four people that still have, you know, the Russian language and the, you know, still have the Russian heritage in their, in their heads. But basically, I mean, th there came to be a lot of, you know, Russian restaurants with Russian food. And there were Russian girls who sold like bouquets of flowers um, in Istiklal. So there's an arcade that's called Flower Arcade, and it's because of the Russian women who sold flowers there. Where Hakan's father gets shot in The Protector. Yes, very iconic first episode scene. And apparently the Dolmush, the, it's a type of bus in, in Istanbul, mm -hmm. like a type of public transportation. In, in Turkey, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was established with from the, through drivers from the White Army. Oh. That's practical practical innovation thank you <laughs> to them 
um and well the russians that migrated most of them retain their orthodox heritage um although there have also been a lot of migrants from russian territories that are ethnically muslim and um that's a story for another day <laughs> but there's a really there's a short story by i think it's tolstoy if i'm not wrong who like he has Haji a Murat? Is that um, what you're thinking of, the novella? Prisoner of the Mountain. Oh, okay. And they made a movie out of it, but like basically it's showing one of the Muslim, I don't know if, if the story tells it, but it, the movie shows like Russian soldiers occupying, like being in a Muslim territory and they're like, they don't know the cost, like they don't, they don't know the customs or how it works. Like how this different community lives. It's it's an interesting movie if anyone is interested in. And to confirm so what Sophia said it is based on a short story by Tolstoy called A Prisoner in the Caucasus but the movie is called Prisoner of the Mountains yeah. as as you said. And currently there are around 40 or 50 um people in Istanbul that are heirs of the first generation of Russians that arrived so it's definitely narrowed. That surprises um, me that so few did some of them move back within their lifetimes like the adults before they had like kids that they could that could become like I don't know be brought up in Turkey or did they assimilate so they're not counted like because I have to imagine like Ahmed can't be that unique Mm -hmm. um with that many people coming I mean this is a, a sample size of one but my um, guide for the Culinary Backstreets uh, Minority Foods Tour in Istanbul was um, Russian of Russian descent, fourth mm. generation oh. Istanbulite. I think maybe it might be that like those like fifty ish people that y- you read about, Sophia. Maybe they like they had like parentage on both sides and like mm. truly retained like their cultural memory and language and everything. Versus like if someone was only half Russian, like. I could totally see like full-on assimilation happening and not really even also like it's possible that the one parent wouldn't even want to talk about that like where they came from after all that trauma <laughs> so yeah what, what it says is that just nine people identify as white russians most mm-hmm. others have assimilated changed their names mm-hmm. or married turks or other christians members of the community say there may be 40 or 50 others who are heirs to this first generation of russians mm-hmm. so i think I think it's that I think possibly like I feel like some families got separated and some went to Paris some went to London and eventually maybe some of the people who were in Istanbul like got help from the family members who were in Mm -hmm. other cities to join them there um but I think it's also that maybe they just don't assimilate or like have anything to do with the right Russian community maybe they've just like branched off yeah because what they what what they talk about is how like they get together and like go to mass but like the younger generations don't want to go to mass and they don't they just like don't care as much about the community um and they have like some churches in Karakoy that are going to that are like in threat of being demolished so yeah basically I mean it's it's it was a significant group at the start it's a much smaller group today, but I mean, there's always been a ton of interaction between Turkey and Russia, just in terms of how close yeah. they are and how much Russia wants a warm water port. In general. <laughs> kind of an obsession for them. <laughs> I just read a really interesting article about Antalya oh, it's all and Russians how now, many yeah. um, Russians have fled there since the war and how it's like an incredible number that it's going to be changing I mean, the they've, culture they've of the been whole place, like which the, is in really the summers in Antalya for like since I was a kid it's been like that right. um but now it's like to your point full-time residents who've just like bought property or like bought a, an apartment and moved there and then a lot <laughs> yeah. and who would want to move back and I mean Alanya is you know <laughs> it's not it's it's a if I'm not missing my geography completely off, it's also it's part of Antalya province, but it's a separate city um, from Antalya, like city proper. 
And that has traditionally been like completely overtaken by British people in the summers, but now it's also a year round thing because during COVID they were like, LOL, we're not going to stay in Great Britain. It's cold here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sympathize. Um, okay. Well, thank you, Sophia. I thought that was really interesting. Now we are going to move on into our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck Sultan of success and Fatima's hit list. What are your, what the fucks? Um, one, how bad Estra is it like acting in general? Like she can't, <laughs> this little girl hugs her and she's her daughter and she can't just like put on whatever <laughs> face, like lady like just pretend that she's your actual daughter and she calls her like mom I guess that one makes more sense like mom and she's like what the hell like is she even talking to me yeah and she just makes a lot of faces for everything I feel like people must be like what's wrong with this girl like she's bizarre yeah she just to add to what you're saying here Sophia like she had potentially a super easy job when when she's with her family which is like not speak unless spoken to which is probably how Peta acted um because like that's how all girls are expected to act at that point but she just like is sitting at the table with her elbows like on the table leaning forward like a dude (laughs) and like interrupting (laughs) and using like modern day slang and it's like girl please (laughs) you don't you're actually she's not very good you actually need to do less to blend in if you're doing you're you are the most but you need to do less (laughs) and you would blend in (laughs) my other what the fuck was well you can really see her dyed hair roots which oh yeah that's that's gonna she's not gonna look good in a few weeks if she's around for (laughs) i'm kidding um also the outfit that the outfits that she wears are really what the fuck and i guess that's on purpose but her sister's wearing an outfit that's i don't think is time appropriate like it seems like a very today dress with like the flowers embroidered on it I don't know I just maybe that's what they were maybe I'm, I don't know well also her story we mentioned this but how what the fuck her story is like what she's daughter. yeah that's the she's also really bad journalist in general I kind of gotta give respect to the stamp blog Sophia <laughs> <laughs> We respect the editor and her trouble. Oh I feel like us we should make Stamblog merch. <laughs> we, oh, I, I think I said that last time. But I, I still agree. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Maybe Agreed. like a Stamblog staff mug with a photo of us on Zoom. <laughs> Heard it on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love no that. sense to anyone except for us. <laughs> I have what the fuck to the garden bar mostly because it just seems like, like the most the fun fuck, bar why am I that's ever there? <laughs> exactly what the fuck why have i never been to this bar yeah <laughs> fake bar that my wtf like- is somewhat related to that because i really noticed that it, well i'd seen it before but i noticed how many times i'd seen it when they like pan the camera pan from the Petapolis hotel to the garden bar which appear to like be extremely close to one another um how freaking like smoky and hazy it is at all times like in every shot I'm like was it like that because I feel like I don't know like Charles Dickens adaptations I feel like it's like London is always like that but also London was like polluted AF from like the factories and maybe Istanbul also had like enough factories close by that that was the case but I'm just like why is it so damn hazy all the time also it's like constantly thunderstorming because the time travel needs needs there to be weather drama to work apparently (laughs) but Anyway, the weather and the haze is my WTF. <laughs> I also have Esra's driving as a what Oh, fuck. that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how she made, like, how did she even figure that out? I can, if I get a rental car, I can, like, barely, barely feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
But do you swerve around in the middle of the road <laughs> no. and people? <laughs> but I don't think I would think I'd be able to get an old timey <laughs> car to move, let alone like have the opportunity to swerve. <laughs> it's a good point. I yeah. really, I'm not sure how those things worked. Um, okay, who is our Sultan of Success this episode? No one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Claude. I really don't know. Um, I mean, okay. I might argue, sorry, Garden, garden bar. bar. I was going to argue Hudit's actually garden using bar? Garden, like him owning Garden Bar as like one bullet point of like, wow, great business. Um, and also like, okay, we don't know whether he actually killed the real Périda, but assuming, giving him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't, he still didn't really get in trouble with the British guy or like, you know, it, it didn't end up mattering that he did or didn't kill uh, Périda because it turned out that the version of Périda they're seeing is, like, the daughter of someone who's useful to them. Um, so he didn't get into trouble for failing. He also owns this kick-ass bar. Um, I don't know, burgeoning love interest. So he, like... Okay. I'm sold. <laughs> also, he's our original yeah, he's doing success, great. like, as an actor. The actor is, I mean, so it's, like, Gotta gotta give it to him. That's true. For having another show. Wait, no, isn't the Sultan of Success from the Protector from the book that whatever this horrible dude from Masum? Oh, okay. Yeah. I think okay, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But But he was the most often chosen Sultan of Success of Love. Yeah, Yeah, because he was just hustling. (laughs) True. Okay. Fatma's hit list. And the and the dad, all the British guys. No, um, what about Paraday's father? Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's even more treacherous because he's like op- open to the highest bidder. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sticking to him. He sucks. Um. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We congratulate Halit Bay for ownership of the funnest bar in the history <laughs> of civilization and other things. Uh, watch out to Naeem Bey, you suck, and Fatima's going to come after you soon in your giant mansion. And we are going to talk next time about episode three.